Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us, through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. on this time. I love folks in our church who are serving because I had three guys come up to me in the last one minute to go, hey, is is your battery dead? Is your microphone on? So thanks everybody for serving. Well, as we come to the text this morning, um, we see that church is called to gather. And the world looks at gathering people differently. Uh, Recently, in a New York Times article, some individuals shared about the benefits of gathering together with their running club. Now, we're not going to be talking about exercise this morning, but this is what these folks said. So, Ryo Yamamoto, who is apparently the co-founder of the Old Man Run Club, that would probably be the club that I would be in, uh, the Old Man Run Club in New York, he said this, his running community once rallied behind a member who was experiencing health challenges. And then Aaron Shields from the Venice Run Club said that the community uh, felt similar uh, in her run club to the one that she found at a church as a child. She shared, religion gives you a group of people who are willing to take action and help you anytime. Be there in your corner and support you and celebrate you, she said. The Run Club gives you that too. Do you think that's all that the church is supposed to be? Is the church just a place where we come gather and experience community? Now, it's certainly not less than that. Certainly, we do experience community when we gather together as a church. But we need to understand the church is not just another club. The church is not just another organization that people kind of choose to be involved with and casually engage with. Because as we see here in the text, the church, the the biggest thing that makes the church different than other clubs is that that, that we know Christ. Look back at your Bibles and look at verses 19, 20, and 21. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, we are a people who gather because of what Christ has done. He gives us access to God. The running clubs aren't gathering because they have access to God. That's not, they don't get held together because of Jesus. They gather because of some horizontal commitment. 
Now, in this whole book, it must, uh, it's helpful to understand that even though we're in chapter 10, the first nine chapters of this book are really unpacking the wonder of Jesus Christ. But friends, when we gather, we are gathering as a people who have access to God. Do you believe that? Do you believe you have access to God? And that's what our text says. It also says, look at verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Why is that significant? In the Old Testament, there was the, the, the tabernacle system where you had a high priest, the temple system where you had a priest who would, who would do the sacrifices for you. And then there was a high priest who would go once a year into the Holy of Holies. And they were the ones that would advocate for the people. They would sacrifice the the different um, animals for the sins of the people. But we have one person who is our advocate, is Jesus. Because after he paid the penalty for our sins, he is seated at God's right hand, interceding for us. So we have access to God, and we have an advocate before God. So before we talk about how we even fellowship and what that relationship looks like, we must understand the significance that we are called to draw near to that God. Look back at your Bibles. Verse 22, after we know we have access to God and we have an advocate before God, it says in verse 22, let us draw near. Have you trusted in Christ? Do you believe you can draw near? You can draw near if you come to Jesus and repent of your sins and believe in him. You can draw near to God. I know God feels like he's just like way out. He's completely unaware of what's going on in my life. And that's just not true. Because we are encouraged to draw near. If God didn't want us to draw near, we wouldn't have this in our Bibles. So if you've trusted in Christ, as you look here, we, we are called to, to draw near with a true heart, with full assurance, with our hearts sprinkled clean. That means our hearts have been, we've been forgiven of our sins and our bodies washed with pure water. That's why we get baptized. It's kind of a reflection of, we get baptized as a testimony that we have walked with Jesus. We declare to the world that we are followers of Jesus. That's why we're different than every other group that gathers If you've been washed in the blood of Jesus, you can come freely. Do you believe that? Do you you believe that? Do you believe you can come freely into God's presence? And I mean that practically. You might theologically go, yeah, I know that's true, but I have a hard time coming. But the text says, draw near with a true heart. Some of us feel hindered from coming because of struggles that we have. Do you ever feel like I have a hard time coming into God's presence because I've been struggling with sin or because I'm not perfect or I don't, I don't feel like I can come before the Lord because I just got really angry at my kids. Do you ever feel that? Do you ever feel that? It says, come with a sincere heart. It doesn't say, come uh, doing all the right things. 
No, sincere means come genuinely. Come real. God wants you to come real and raw with the stuff of life. Because we all have stuff. There's no one here who doesn't have stuff and he wants us to to draw near. When Jesus says the pure in heart, in the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the pure in heart for what? For they shall see God. Not blessed are those that have it all together. Then maybe that person who does everything right, they're going to be the one that sees God. No, blessed is the one who comes humbly and raw and real, and you will see God. You can engage with God. Martin Lloyd-Jones explained, he said, it's only when I'm near God in Christ that I know my sins are forgiven, where I feel his love. I know I am his child and I enjoy the priceless blessings of peace that God and peace within and peace with others. I'm aware of his love and I am given a joy that the world can neither give nor take away. It's just a helpful reminder when we are in God's presence, we're reminded of what he's done for us. We're reminded that we have peace with him, but I I get it. It's hard to make that jump. Even reading what Martin Lloyd-Jones says, I'm like, I want that kind of joy. Do you want that kind of joy? Do you want that kind of experience with God? You can. Not because of something you do, but it says... Let us draw near with the true heart in full assurance. You can have full assurance that you can draw near because of what Christ has done. Your sins have been forgiven. I need to be regularly reminded of that. I don't know about you, but every day I'm, I feel far more aware of my sin then I am aware of God's grace. Do you feel that way? If you want joy, draw near. We can feel we have this low-grade sense of guilt, like I can't go to the Lord in prayer because I just have to get this figured out. The writer of Hebrews wants this local church to know they can draw near. Have full assurance. You have, you have access to God and you have an advocate before God. Now, before we jump into the rest of the text, because we could easily be like, okay, we got to talk about how is the church gathered? How are we supposed to look different? No, the place we start is being reminded of what Christ has done. So we're just going to pause right now. The, the sermon's not over. We're not done studying the text. We're going to stop right now and draw near. We're going to take communion together. I'm going to invite the worship team to come forward. I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward and get the elements. And right now, you're just like, like, wait, don't we do that after the sermon's over? Yeah, we do that regularly. But let's draw near. Before we talk about how we engage with one another, let's engage with the Lord. And so we are going to take communion. 
a little different than we've done recently. So as the worship team plays a song, you can certainly join them in singing, but I want to encourage you to stay in your seat as the elements are passed. So ushers, you can start to pass the elements. And as the worship team sings, I want to encourage you to reflect on the words that are being sung. Maybe some of those words hit you right where you are at, but know that you can draw near. You can come right now. And so take the elements, keep the elements. We'll take them together. But just take this time to draw near right where you are at. We take communion together to be reminded of what Christ has done, to be reminded that we can come each and every day. No matter how wearied we are, no matter if we find ourselves in a place of victory and things seem to be going well, we can come. So on the night when Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. So let's take the bread together. And he took the cup, which would represent the blood that he would shed, the blood that would wash our sins away, that would give us access to God because he was the perfect sacrifice. Let's take the cup together. For as often as we eat the bread and drink the cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We can draw near. Worship team, thanks for coming back up and serving us to sing again. Even though it was kind of like, hey, that's different. It's in the middle of of our time of being in the word. But as we engage with God's word, whether it's on Sunday morning or whether you're engaging with God's word throughout the week, there are times you come across something that you just need to stop. And I want to encourage you to, to stop. Like I, I, can, I can be running into my time with the Lord and be like, okay, I've got to accomplish this and I got to pray for this and pray for these people. And then the Lord, you know, hits me with the first verse I go to read. And I just want to be like, well, that was really good. But, you know, I got all this other stuff I got to do. But it can be helpful for us to just stop. Stop and draw near in that moment to respond to the things that God is doing. So we need to understand, we, we can draw near. What sets the church apart? Not just the church universal, what sets the local church apart is that we can draw near. The people who we are sitting with, we can draw near to the God of the universe because he sent his son. And the call in the text is not just to draw near, but to hold fast our confession because the winds and the waves, they beat us down. Do you feel the winds and the waves in your life? Do you, do you feel them? I, I feel them. Now, boats, every boat knows that there's going to be winds and waves at sea. That's why every boat has, has an anchor. Because they know that at, at certain points, they need to stop where they're at and they need to drop the anchor so they're not driven and tossed by the wind that in a sense kind of holds them fast to the spot that they're in. And if we look at our text, even though it says hold fast, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without 
wavering, we can be like, okay, I gotta, I gotta hold on to this. But look at the end of the, the, that verse. It says, for he who promised is faithful. Like, wait a minute. Okay, I gotta hold fast, but he who promised is faithful. And the original hearers of this would have kind of hearkened back to what has been said already in the book of Hebrews. This is what it says in Hebrews chapter 6. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Now, we don't have time to get into Melchizedek and what he means. Just simply, we need to understand uh, Jesus uh, does not have any end to his reign. He's always the high priest. We talked briefly about he's the high priest, the high priest who uh, went into the Holy of Holies in the temple of God's people, there were certain places that people could be. Some had to stop in certain places. The priests would make the sacrifices. But the Holy of Holies was the place where God went to dwell with his people. And only the high priest could go there, and only could he go there once a year. And he got himself cleansed, and he went through this whole process. He had a, they would tie a rope to his ankle, and they would put a little bell on his robe, as uh, history kind of tells us, so that if he went in there and he didn't have things together, and if he died while he was in the presence, they could yank him back out. But only once a year that would happen. But we have a high priest who was perfect. And he is there all the time, interceding for us. He doesn't just go once. He paid for sin one time. He doesn't have to keep offering sacrifices, but he's also in God's presence all the time. So when you think about the, the, the fact that he is faithful, he's the anchor. He is in heaven, anchored in heaven. So when you think about holding fast, yes, Jesus is anchored in heaven. We, we want to hold fast to our confession of him, hold fast to him. But the text says he is faithful. He's not left us alone. He has sent his Holy Spirit to be your helper. As we've said many times, nothing can snatch you out of the Father's hand. So there's something happening in the midst of even talking about this text even though you have this experience of holding fast, because Jesus is holding us fast. We are, in a sense, in the harbor of this world and the storms of life come, and we're, we're in danger of being driven out to sea, and we have the feeling of the experience, okay, we've got to hold fast because the storms are coming. But here's the reality. He's faithful. Because even when you let go, he doesn't let you go. So even as we consider holding fast, yes, we hold fast. We want to come before him humbly. We want to confess our sins. We want to experience the forgiveness of his grace, but we need to remember that he is holding us fast. I love that hymn that's sung, like the, there's a chorus. He will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. So as I'm holding, he is holding and those are the things we want to encourage one another in. 
Because the way we stay tied to the anchor, the way we're encouraged is we stir one another up. It's the local church. That's why the local church is so much more significant than any other club or organization that gathers. We just don't gather for social stuff, though we do gather for social things. We gather for meals. We, we gather to have fun together. Whether it's, you know, guys gathering to grill steaks at a men's retreat or ladies gathering to do something or we gather a small cruise, we, we certainly gather. But we gather to stir one another up. Look back at your Bibles. Verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. How is it that we draw near? How is it we hold fast? We want to continue to encourage one another. We need each other. We need each other. I know the American mindset is, you know, the cowboy, it's just me and I just ride off into the sunset. No, we need each other. We need each other. That's why the writer of Hebrews is, tells the people to consider how to stir up one another. He's saying, be intentional to stir up the faith of fellow Christians. So not, not if I should consider to stir up. No, we need to consider. Are, are you asking the question when you gather with the church, I'm not talking just in this Sunday morning context, but in small group concept. Are you considering the condition of others when you come in the door? Are you asking, are they discouraged? Is she doubting? Is he tempted right now? Or are you waiting for someone to come to you? Are you just waiting for someone to come to you? You know, I just need someone. Someone's going to have to come talk to me. I'm a bit, bit introverted. I don't, I don't know. But, you know, I, I'm just going to test to see if this church is a church I want to be at. I'm just going to make sure that someone's got to come talk to me. Well, look at what the text says. It doesn't say, consider how you should wait so that the super godly people can come and talk to you. That's not what it says. It says, let us consider how to stir up one another. I love you because I see this in our midst. I see people who come in and they just look for people. We have some folks in our church that are on the greeting team, right? You sign up and you're on the, you might greet maybe once every other month. But for some reason, like they just can't help but just end up in the entryway greeting people when they come in the door because they are just looking. They want to serve other people. I love that about us. I love that about you. What are you doing to provoke others to a deeper walk with Jesus? Our presence here is is not provoking one another. Just showing up doesn't mean that you are provoking one another to love and good works. So my attendance does not mean that I'm stirring up one another. Now I get there are times we come and we just need to sit and receive because you've walked through a trial. So I don't want anyone to feel like they can't be 
in pain and hurting and walking through difficulty. Certainly we do that. But our physical presence does not equal stirring up one another. Right? Let us consider how we should meet together. Let's consider prioritizing our time to be together. Because it says, let's consider how we stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. We need to prioritize regular times where we are in one another's presence. Because apparently there were some in this group that had this habit of maybe drifting. Now we have options to meet, right? We have Sunday mornings. We have small groups. There are times, you know, people get together to do a Bible study. Uh, you know, folks went to the men's retreat. Guys went, women went to the women's retreat. There are options that we have. Just because we have options, and certainly you can engage in online. I love that we have that option. I love that nursing moms can engage uh, while they are taking care of their kids. I love that families can engage when they're homesick. I've got some family members that are like that today. Like, I, I love that we can do that. But just because we have options doesn't mean that gathering is optional. Doesn't mean that it's optional. There's something that God does when we are in one another's presence. Now, again, that doesn't mean you can't engage online. Every week, I, you know, generally speaking, I have a conversation with Hugh. We talk about the worship service and what's coming up and what I'm going to be preaching on and what would serve the church, and we have a conversation. We do that almost 100% online, and we're grateful we have that opportunity because our schedules don't mix. We aren't in the same zip code most days of the week. But when we engage online, we are intentional and we are stirring up one another. We're encouraging one another. But that's not the only thing that we do. So it's not that you can't do that online, but there's something about being intentional that is different. Because if, if my attitude is to stir up I know that I need, I need to do that in, in the physical presence. Now, I have certainly been stirred up by notes of encouragement or texts that have happened or phone calls that happen. So I don't want to minimize that we have these technologies that allow us. But there's nothing different. There's nothing like gathering with other believers in, in the presence. There's something that God does when we're in one another's presence. Kent Hughes, pastor, said, we meet Christ in a special way in corporate worship. It is true that a person does not have to go to church to be a Christian. He does not have to go home to be married either. But in both cases, if he does not, he will have a very poor relationship. I know it's funny, but you're just like, <laughs> yeah, that's for real. Right? I've sadly seen too many people neglect the fellowship of the saints to the detriment of their own soul. But I love being with you. I can resonate with Martin Luther. Martin Luther said, at home, in my own house, there is no warmth or vigor in me. But in the church, when the multitude is gathered together, a fire is kindled in my heart, and it breaks its way through. I love being with you. 
I, I do. It seems like as the weeks go on with what God's doing in our church, I just really anticipate when I get to be with you, whether it's with my small group, whether it's here gathered on Sunday morning, because there's something different that happens. I can sing at home. And some of you are like, yeah, I'd rather sing at home because I think I, I discourage people in the Lord when I sing out loud in public. But you're like, yeah, you, you can sing at home, but there's something that happens when we all gather and we sing together. There's something different about when we open God's word together in our small group and your conversation goes from talking about his word to maybe talking about something that's going on in your life. Or sometimes like the conversation just goes completely off the farm. That ever happened in your small group? You're just like, where, where did this come from? But yet at the end of that time, your soul has been affected. Your soul has been affected. We need to prioritize this time together because we all feel that draw to not go and be together. Do you ever feel that way in small group? Uh, are you willing to be honest? Maybe this isn't your experience because maybe you just, just like you never miss small group because you're just like, I got to be there and I just love going. But I, to be honest, like I'd say three out of four small groups, I'm going... I'm aware of everything else that's going on in my life. And I'm like, is this the night I want to skip? Because, you know, I just feel kind of tired. Or, you know, there's a lot going on right now. And I'm feeling this. And, you know, I love everybody. And I love my small group. Don't get me wrong. And my small group's going, he doesn't like going to small group. No, I love going to small group. But I don't know what it is. The half hour before small group, I just don't want to go. And there's all kinds of reasons I can, I can figure out not to go. Now, there's sometimes you shouldn't go, right? If you're throwing up, you should not go to small group, okay? Just don't go to small group. But that's there. We feel that. But every time I go and gather with the saints, no matter how stinky my heart is, God does something in my heart when I gather with the saints because the word is brought up and, and I'm reminded of the gospel or I see there's a need and God gives me the opportunity to minister to someone else. God does stuff when we gather. We're not just a club. Are you not going to small group because you just don't feel like it? Are you not prioritizing time because you're afraid that people might discover that you have junk? Okay, that's a real thing. Like if I, I don't know if I want to do that right now because I got stuff I just got to work out. All right, I'm going to let you in on something. Like lean in. Like no one else is going to hear this. Everybody's got junk. Everybody has junk. I'm not going to ask you to turn to your neighbor and tell them that they got junk. They already know. Okay? We all got stuff. We all have stuff. That's why we need to gather together because we're hindered from drawing near because of that stuff and we need to be reminded of the gospel. We're tempted not to hold fast because the waves, they're coming. Like some days you feel like you just come up for air and the wave just whacks you in the face and all you can do is taste the salt water in your mouth and the burning in your eyes because you just can't seem to keep your head up above water. We all experience that but yet we have the opportunity to gather and encourage 
one another. As you look back at the text, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. That encouraging is giving courage to people. Now, we often think that giving courage to people is like something out of like a gladiator movie. Go and die, right? No. (laughs) Sometimes giving courage is just to get out of bed in the morning. Sometimes giving courage is so that I can go to my office and share Christ with that person that is just rubbing me the wrong way. Sometimes I need courage to say that hard thing in, in my household that I'm just for some reason not saying. We all, we all need that, and we have the opportunity to give courage to one another. See, you're needed to help others. This isn't about, okay, I need to gather because it meets, it checks off these boxes and it helps me. Actually, you need to gather because God wants to use you to give courage to those around you. Because this is family. Now, some of us, we might have a family that we love being with, a biological family, and and that's wonderful. But some Christians in the world today, I heard a story of a Christian in Nepal who has to walk three hours to gather with other believers. And they walk three hours. Because when they said yes to Jesus, they said no to their family. Their family has, in a sense, disowned them. And so the only place that they actually experience what family should look like is when they gather with the church. They're discouraged in life because they could be the only believer in their town. And so they're going to walk to where they're going to be with other believers. Now, the reality is, is we have vehicles. If we had to walk to church, like for me, it would take at least an hour to get from where I live. I just happen to have a vehicle and I can get here in 10 minutes. But Christians will walk. Why? Because they, they're not just looking to have their felt needs met. They know that's where they get life. They know that's where I'm going to be reminded to get back in the fight. They know that's where they're going to be encouraged in their soul. They know that's going to be the opportunity they're going to have to say, hey, I experienced God's grace this week, and I want to tell you about it so that you don't give up. I want to give courage to someone Because that believer who's walking three hours knows one thing that's right here in the text. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. The day is not just any day. That day is the day that Jesus is going to return. He is coming back. Friends, why would we prioritize time with the saints? Because we don't have time not to. Like Jesus is coming back. He is returning. We don't know if that's going to be this afternoon or before we leave this building. But he is coming back. So we don't have time to mess around with niceties. And I get it does take time to build relationships and to go deep. But as, as you know, if you've been in a small group with me, I, I just don't do great with, like, surface-level conversation. It I just feels like it's wasting my time to get to the stuff that we really need to talk about. Because Jesus is coming back. He is going to return. And we need to encourage one another. We need to strengthen one another 
as we see the day drawing near, because we know as the day draws near, it's going to get harder for us as Christians. I don't know what persecution is going to look like or when it will look like or what that all means, but we are going to need one another to stir one another up. You need one another right now to stir one another up to love and good works. So that's where the urgency comes. Don't, don't think, well, it's, it'll be there next week. There's a lot of folks that have, have fallen into a rut of, yeah, just, I'm just going to phone it in. Now, that's not you because you're here this morning. And it, it's not sin if you have to be home today. Like, it, I don't want someone to feel some kind of undue guilt and shame, but I want you to see the benefit. Like, Jesus is coming back. We want to encourage one another. Hebrews 3.13 says, But exhort one another every day as long as it is called today. Not that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The writer of Hebrews knows that, that the people of God can drift. We can drift. We can be tempted to be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It's not called the deceitfulness of sin for nothing. It's because sin is deceiving. It looks really good, right? No one ever goes, man, that, that sin looked horrible. I just kind of left it. No, it's like, yeah, there's something about it that looks good. It almost looks right. Like it looks, it's almost right, but there's something really wrong about it. We can all be, we can all drift. And we need to be reminded that Jesus is the anchor of our souls. We need to be reminded to look to him. We need to be reminded that we've been given the Holy Spirit to help us. How's that going to happen? If we encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day drawing near. So that the church gathers, and there may be some things about that we do in the church that look like clubs that happen outside of the local church. But we are the ones that draw near because of what Christ has done. We can, we can come before the God of the universe because of what Christ has done. We can hold fast because he's holding fast, and we can encourage one another. And we're going to do that this morning before we leave. So I'm, I'm going to pray for us, but we're not done yet. So don't, don't pick up your purse or your phone and, and, get, and, and start acting like you're going to go have lunch. Because, because why, why would we leave when we have the opportunity to apply this right now? We're going to take a few minutes and encourage one another. And I, I just want to tell the introverts, I, I'm not singling you out today to make this more difficult. I know you hear me talk to the introverts. I just, I have to say it for myself because I'm not an introvert. I don't understand not talking to people I don't know for too long, right? I just don't get that in my brain. But God has gifted you and called you to give courage. So we're going to just take some time we're not locking the door, okay? Like if, if you have to go to the restroom, you have to leave, no one's going to stop you. But I want to ask you not to leave the room. And we're going to take some time to grab your Bible and find someone in the room to give courage to. Maybe it's someone you've never met before. It's okay. They don't know you either, okay? 
Let's give courage. But let me pray. Father, as we go right now to give courage to one another, to encourage one another, because the day is coming when Jesus is coming back. Even he doesn't know the day that he's coming back, but at one day you're going to send him back. We want to be ready, and we want to encourage the church to be ready. So I pray, God, that you would just help us. Help us as a church to embody this even more than we do. You've been so kind that we experience this. We experience this encouragement of one another, the stirring up of one another. And I pray, God, that you just lay it on our heart right now, ways that we can stir up one another to love and good works. We ask this, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So I get that some of you didn't hear any word of my prayer because you're just like, is he actually going to follow through with this? Yeah, I'm going to follow through with it. So right now, I want you to go find someone or more than someone's, and I want you to encourage them. That might be simply, hey, my name is Jamie. Now, don't say my name is Jamie. If it's not Jamie, say your name. Okay, my name is, and I, I, hey, tell me something about you, why are you here? Or hey, I want to share with you, this is how the Lord has met me. Or you know what? I, the Lord met me just now. So find someone you don't know. Find someone you don't know. And if you're a first-time guest here this morning, we're not trying to freak you out. I'm going to try to come find you so that you don't feel weird. But you can give courage too. 